1: of salem media group
0: with sra news i'm bob agnew in washington north korean leader kim jong-un and the south korean president moon jae-in have met for a second time in a month their topic of course was discussing a number of agreements they reached in their first summit as well as talking about that potential upcoming summit with president trump there was news this week had been canceled then Later news, that it could be back on. In Chicago, a major crackdown on drug-related violence and gangs over the weekend. Chicago Police Superintendent Eddie Johnson.
2: Missions, which began early Thursday morning, have so far yielded the arrest of 100 offenders, over 60 of whom are previously convicted felons. A leading pro-life
0: group said today Ireland's historic abortion referendum has resulted in a tragedy of historic proportions in a statement that all but admits defeat as two exit polls predict an overwhelming victory for those who want to overturn the country's strict ban on abortion. This is SRN News. Good day. Welcome to our show. We are here celebrating with Premier Pool and Spa because they're celebrating a the nicer weather with, what else? A huge hot tub sale. Yeah, what was with this weather? Hot one day, cold the next, snow then, then rain. I don't know what's coming or going. That's why it has never been a better time than to have a hot tub or an all-water pool from Arctic Spa. Yeah,
1: why would I want to sit in a hot
0: tub in this heat? I can't believe you. You are in control of the temperature. So if you want the water
1: cool, it's cool. cool. If you want the water warmer, that's fine too. So in the summer, I can have a cool tub and in the winter, I can have a hot tub.
0: (laughs) I get it, eh? You're pretty smart. We all need to have quality products in Minnesota because of the harsh climate. It isn't only the really cold, but also the really hot that can make an outside product fall apart. Yeah, cold to hot in record time, just like this weather. So if you're looking at hot tubs or swim spas, have a look at the Arctic
1: spas. Visit Premier Pool and Jan today. PremierPools.com. Premier Pool and Spa, where we take fun seriously.
0: This is Owen Strand for Townhall.com. Modern men are in trouble. Just saying that sentence is a great way to get a reaction today. Some people scoff, others nod their head in sadness. In our soft, fuzzy, gender neutral age, the psychologist Jordan Peterson has dared to raise this matter in public. In a recent New York Times profile, his interviewer laughed at him for suggesting that men are failing today. But look all around us 97% of mass shooters are men. Men are leaving their families in record numbers. Men have dropped out of the workforce, and for every six college degrees earned by women, men earn four. We don't need to see the sexes as competing. We want men and women both to flourish. But we can't miss this today modern men are in trouble. It's a spiritual issue, it's a cultural issue, and solutions aren't simple. But we need more voices admitting that we've got a problem. I'm Owen Strand. The Pepperdine Graduate School
3: of Public Policy, America's unique graduate leadership degree, offered on its most beautiful campus.
4: I'm drinking again, thinking of when you left me, and that person was so long ago.
5: Welcome back, King Bangin Show Business fourteen forty. New board up means new music. I'm <laughs> not sure this would have been a a, a John selection, but uh, thank you, Ross, and of course, uh, all the music shows up on Spotify. We'll tell you after the break how to how to get to that. But uh, first, we don't want to keep our guests waiting. Um, the craft brewing industry um, has kind of just taken the world by storm. Not terribly long ago in the washington post a piece a piece that was titled he says as he tries to pull up the craft beer industry's buzz is wearing off I'm not sure that's true because up here, at least in central Minnesota, it seems like it's growing." In leaps and bounds. And actually, I've got a few questions. And so, who better to go to than the chief economist of the Brewers Association, Bart Watson? Bart, good morning and welcome to the King Banyan Show.
6: Good morning. Thank you for having me. First of all, the most
5: important question How does one get to be the chief economist of the Brewers Association? That sounds like the sweetest gig ever.
6: If you're an economist, I think it's about the best gig you can get. So uh, I got pretty lucky. I'll admit.
5: Yeah. Uh, so I mean, I, seriously though, uh, what's the what was the pro? I, and I am an economist, so that's why I'm asking you. It's like like you know, I just did the normal thing economists do. We go, we end up in a university somewhere. You found you found a better way a, a better way to use that degree of yours. How do you get there?
6: Uh, you know, I, I followed the same route you did for a little while. I was a university professor. I was teaching a public health class at the university of Iowa, um, and doing a lecture on excise taxes and came across the Brewers Association website. And I was lucky that that was a the day they had up this job and I applied for it and the rest <laughs> is history. And, and now I get to think about beer all day.
5: Good Lord. Do you ever pinch yourself? And so, wow. How did I get uh, this? I lucky? do.
6: And, and yeah, <laughs> And you know you know it's nice still you know i i i, I like when people ask me this question because it reminds me how cool a job it is sometimes when you're deep in you know ones and zeros and spreadsheets you can you can forget how cool it is that those ones and zeros are
0: breweries,
5: yeah regrettably uh I have ended up uh working in administration now working as a dean, so um <laughs> you know but i i still I still show up at the at the economics uh economics meetings around the country to to apply my trade as a researcher on this but although it feels like the side gig now anyway Bart let's get down to this um, so so up here in fact is it was almost serendipity that we would talk today my morning newspaper up here in st. Cloud and since you were in Iowa you know where st. Cloud is um, mm-hmm. so central Minnesota 80 miles outside of the uh, 80 miles outside of the Twin Cities my morning newspaper carries a, a story of the expansion of a small brew pub out in uh, Saint Joseph, which is uh, which is about about eight miles outside of Saint Cloud. So small town, Minnesota. They cre- They put in a brew. They put in a brew pub. This two guys want to make beer. Um, they've got four hundred. They, they're producing four hundred barrels a year. And now they've announced they're expanding and they're looking at an even greater expansion. What do you think this is doing? Not not in terms of, we'll talk about the industry generally, but just think in terms of local economic development. What are these brew pubs in smaller towns and cities doing for those communities?
6: Well, I think they're having a big impact. Um, You know, we used to be a country that, you know, we we drank a lot of beer for a long time in the United States, and so it's had a big economic impact on the U.S. economy. But it used to be that, you know, that was brewed in 20 or 25 breweries in a few places, and you know, we now have 6,000 breweries, and so that that economic impact is spread all across the country. Um, 83% of Americans live within 10 miles of a brewery. Um, increasingly, I won't say all small towns, because there's still lots of small towns that don't have breweries, but you know, mm-hmm. many do, um, like you're describing in Saint Joseph. And you know, those are those are main street businesses, which you know bring traffic back to parts of the city that maybe it wasn't going to. They're um, you know, small manufacturing facilities. They're buying from other businesses. Um, so it can have a, a big impact, you know, not to mention that, you know, these can be a tourist draw, too. I mean, we see that a uh, high percentage, you know, a majority of craft drinkers, you know, say that they, they traveled more than two hours to visit a brewery last year. So they can have a big impact. And when you add up the, the impact of all those small and independent brewers, it was almost $70 billion in 2016, which is which is pretty incredible.
5: So, uh, Bart, when, when people are get into this business i mean their first thought is i just want to make great beer i want to be able to sell it um i want to be able to make a living doing this um how many of them want to get to that next stage where they go from being the 400 to a thousand barrel a year producer to being a producer uh, of of beer that they can and sell in the marketplace how many of them are trying to get to that stage do you think
6: I think it's changing. You know, that used to be, I think, the goal for for the vast majority of breweries um, as we've gotten to a more competitive marketplace with, you know, 6,000 breweries, you know, uh, more than 150 in Minnesota and, and more coming. Um I think a lot of brewers are getting more realistic about, you know, what the business model can be. Um, you know, it's challenging to get distribution. It's challenging to get on supermarket shelves. So, you know, whereas five or 10 years ago, I think that was a part of the business model for basically every brewery. You know, now we're seeing brewers who are content doing that 400 to 1,000, or maybe if they expand, rather than, you know, building that big production brewery to send beer down to the Twin Cities, it's, you know, build a second facility that, you know, is, is built for the local area, or just build a, a second brew pub or a second tasting room.
5: Right. And, and now, here in St. Cloud itself, the other place that I wanted to talk about, because it's it's literally down the street from, from where I'm sitting right now, is uh, Beaver Island, which has done... Done an amazing amount of work. Has built now a canning facility on the edge of town. Is now putting it putting their beer into stores and in, in the Minneapolis Saint Paul market. Um, you know, and and five years ago they didn't. I think it's five. I think it's only five years that they've existed. Um, it's kind of an amazing thing. That's why when I saw this title of this Washington Post piece in which you're quoted, my first reaction was, Have they been to Minnesota? feels feels like it's going the opposite direction up here.
6: You know, I think it's it's great to point out that local conditions and national conditions can be very, very different. And so um, while we still have growth in the craft beer industry, it's slower than before, which I think is some of what that Washington Post uh, article was referencing. Um, But, you know, what the national growth numbers look like, I don't want to say are irrelevant for local markets, but you can have very different conditions on the ground. So if you're a a small local brewer in a market where there's a lot of run room, um, the fact that that we've seen growth slow can be pretty irrelevant to you. And so we're seeing lots of of breweries and and there's still lots of growth in that long tail um, do great in their local market. So I think it's a little bit of a tale of, do you look at the industry kind of collectively or do you look at individual markets? And when you look at individual markets, there are plenty of places that look very healthy that are expanding and I think have a lot of run room still.
5: Yeah, and I like, I like your use of that phrase, long tail, uh, as representing, I, I think, you know, the fact that there are different stories in different places. I think the long tail applies to, to places like Bad Habit. Now, I, what I want to do though is talk about, you know, there are those who, who produce, who decide, I'm willing to get bigger. And so you've got the mm-hmm. story of a beaver island. But then you also have the story of, of, of a place like Goose Island mentioned in this, in this uh, in this Washington Post story, which ends up being bought by Anheuser Busch, InBev, right? And and you know, to what extent are we seeing what usually happens after you get these proliferations of this of, of this craze? I, and I'm we're waving my air quotes around that word uh, in in craft brewing. To what extent uh, is is consolidation happening? And what do you see being the value of consolidation?
6: Yeah, no, again, I think this this depends on what point of view you look at it. I think you're absolutely right that, you know, we're seeing something that's natural where, you know, we had a, a very consolidated beer market with a limited number of players. These niche producers emerged all over the country. um, And now we're seeing a natural reaction to that, which is the large brewers are looking to acquire their way back into this space and, and scale those up and, you know, reassert their dominance. Um, and, you know, at the same time, we're still seeing thousands of breweries open a year, or, or I should say we had, it was about 1,000 last year. We counted 997 openings in the United States last year. So, um, you know, this market is, is certainly not consolidating as much as there are acquisitions uh, going on. Um, but, you know, I think that's natural, and it, it's a challenge for many of the, the small and independent brewers, particularly those in distribution who are going head-to-head with breweries like Goose Island, who, who now have all of the advantages that, um, you know, a company like Anheuser-Busch InBev um, can give them. Um, And it's, you know, it's a maturation of the industry. And um, one of the things we're doing at the Brewers Association is we're trying to help consumer transparency so that, um, you know, the small local breweries can, you know, easily show their customers, you know, especially as they get a little further away from home, that they're a small and independent brewer and have created a a small and independent brewer seal that they can put on their package. So hopefully that'll be something that that helps them a little bit more in the marketplace going forward.
5: Good. Uh, So... I mean, this has been happening, though, for for a long time. I remember when I was uh, well, when I was in grad school, this would have been in the early, early 80s. Uh, We were just talking about that before you came on. Um, There were a few of these independent places. I, I remember first discovering Sierra Nevada, which I think was brand new. I think they I think they first opened in the late 70s. And we all were like, wow, this is amazing. This is so different than than what's out there. Won't there always be a way to contest this? Because, contest this market. And I'm speaking economist to economist. Is this market contestable because the cost of entering into the beer, into the brewing business, is not that high?
6: Uh, I think it is. I mean, you know, at some level, then it's it's remarkable that we got to a place in the United States where you know that that time period you're referencing in the late 1970s, early 1980s, we had less than 100 breweries in the country and, and less than yeah. 50 brewing companies and. Um, And, you know, the economists who were writing about this at the time were arguing that, you know, minimum efficient scale dictated everything because there wasn't the consumer base for these, you know, artisanal smaller batch, um, you know, products, you know, something like even a Sierra Nevada Pale Ale, which, you know, in many ways people may think of as kind of tame compared to the the crazy things that are getting brewed today. But at the time, was was very revolutionary. Um, So I I agree with you now, but, you know, you do need that market where people are willing to, to pay for the things, um that you know people are making entering at that that low scale and and, and pay a little bit more for that that smaller batch of production.
5: Yeah, I don't think there's any question about this. I mean I I I remember I think I can't remember this is my which parent this was, but one of my parents I you know we stopped at a store someplace and there was a there was a a, a liquor shop next next to the next to the grocery store. So I said, hang on a minute. I ran in Looked at, looked at, and, and, you know, when I travel, Bart, you're probably like me. Well, I don't know if you're like me or not, but, but I, I look around like, okay, what's the local beer here? I want to try something that's local. I want to try something new and different. Um, and so I went in and bought something, and they pointed something out, and it was four cans, and it was 10 or $11. And, and I walked out. I didn't even think about it. My, my, the, the sticker was on the, was on the cans, and my, and I think it was my dad who looked in it, and it was like, You paid 11 bucks for four cans of beer? I said, yeah, but these are going to be four amazing cans. He says, they better be. But it's true, right? We're now, what you cited is true. We're now willing to support that with our money, right? We're now willing to pay more for that beer, for, for craft beer than we were before. What drove that, do you think, Bart Watson?
6: That's that's a great question, um, and you know, it's one that I don't think there's a single answer to. Um, but you know, certainly we've we've seen people who are who are more interested in in that taste, flavor, and beer. I mean, beer had become purely about you know light refreshment, um, and and in many ways it become fairly commoditized. You know, there was there was marketing and branding, but all the beers were pretty much the same, and 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 we saw that change and. You know, it's worth I think thinking about that. That's not just happening in beer. This has happened in lots of things. I mean, in you know that same period of time, you know, 20 or 30 years ago, we were a country that that mostly drank you know Folgers crystals and things that were pretty similar that we bought from supermarkets, and and we're now a country that's pretty comfortable paying 4.50 for a latte from our local barista. So. Um, you know, this is not just happened in beer. It's happened in a lot of artisanal products. And, and I, for one, you know, I'm like you, I, I, I love it. I search out those, those new local flavors, those new local brewers when I travel. So um, I think it's a great thing.
5: Yeah. I don't do fruit. I don't do fruity tasting beers, but uh, if you've got something that's that, you know, the, my attitude is there's never too many hops in my beer. Um, so, uh, so I, uh, I will, I will seek those out and I love finding those just about everywhere. Um. Uh, Bart Watson. Uh, one one final question before we let you go for today, and thank you for sharing your Memorial Day weekend with us a li- a little bit. Um, what to expect next? Is is are we going to? Will we have another year of a thousand new breweries uh, coming, or are we going to? Or is the next next step toward uh, greater consolidation?
6: Uh, you know, I think we are going to see more breweries coming, and and I think it's again it's a little bit of a bifurcation of the market where. Um, there may be a little bit of consolidation in that broader distribution and retail. So I think it's going to be hard for uh, the local supermarket to take on a lot more products. But um, there's still a lot of interest and excitement around that local service oriented uh, brewery model. And um, if we look at license numbers from the Tax and Trade Bureau, which is the government body where you get your brewer's permit, um, there's still about 2,500 active permits that haven't turned into active breweries yet. So um, you know there's still thousands of breweries in planning out there and I think you know so far from what we've seen this year the openings haven't haven't gone anywhere
5: hey hey Bart um, I actually did have one or two more questions do you have time to stay with me over the break
6: yeah happy to I'm always happy to chat about breweries
5: okay awesome stay with us Bart Watson of the Brewers Association joining us here we'll be back after these messages on the King Banyan show on Business 1440
4: when you're
0: great garage door has been serving folks like you since 1985 with an a plus better business bureau rating they're the people you can trust offering free estimates on new doors and same day service on existing doors 952-892-7300 online at greatgaragedoor.com if it was
1: 1990 you'd be listening to your favorite radio station on that bulky boom box that burns through d batteries faster than you can say you've got mail well, thankfully, it's the 21st century, and there are much better alternatives. For example, just ask Alexa to tune in.
7: Alexa, play Business Radio 1440.
1: Throw out that old beeper and get with the times. Listen to your favorite Business 1440 hosts and shows with Alexa and Amazon Echo. Message and data rates may apply. Texting and enrolls for recurring text messages. Nice game. Man, you're really playing hard today.
2: Yeah, shows what a great night's sleep will do. You know, since I started using Z-Quiet for my snoring, there's no more waking up getting elbowed and no more moving to the couch in the middle of the night. You know, for the first time in years, the snoring's gone and my wife and I both wake up feeling great. It's amazing, so easy to use, and it worked the very first night.
0: I'm Dan Webster, co-founder of ZQuiet. For years, I was off my game due to snoring. My wife, Trina, and I were desperate for a solution, and we found it with z Quiet. There's nothing better than waking up feeling rested, happy, and best of all, in the same bed. So if you're ready to score extra points in the bedroom, get ZQuiet.
1: Z Quiet fits both men and women, and right now you can try it risk free for a full 30 days for just $9.95. Just text SLEEP to 246810 or go to GetZQuiet.com. Text SLEEP to 246810 or go to GetZQuiet.com.
3: I was nine weeks along and didn't know what else to do. I felt helpless and I didn't want to leave it up to her, but I didn't know what to do or say.
7: I didn't know there were other options available.
3: I didn't know it was a baby with a beating heart
7: ProLife Across America is educational, non-political, and tax-deductible. A baby's heart is beating 18 days from conception. ProLife
6: Across America, the
0: bill for people. Increase your student's faith and chances of success while decreasing the cost of tuition. Explore our exclusive partnership with Judson University, a private Christian college, by going to our website, TwinCitiesTuitions.com.
6: That's TwinCitiesTuitions.com.
5: Welcome back, King Bang and show. Business 1440 Memorial Day weekend. Thank you for listening and spending time with us. Also, our thanks to Bart Watson, Chief Economist of the Brewers Association, for staying with us as well Bart, let's venture, if you don't mind, a little bit into public policy, uh, because one of the issues. Uh, by the way, just uh, just in terms of complete disclosure, um, my background also includes a uh, one term as a uh, state representative here in Minnesota, and during that time, I got to hear a lot about uh, regulation of the of alcohol and even of the beer industry one of the things that interested me after i left was the story with beaver island one of its owners owned a restaurant and the restaurant was a fine place it, it served it did the same sort of thing we were talking about it it served uh um high quality local produce, locally produced foods um with a price with a price point that probably was above the usual place People would eat here in St. Cloud, but people are willing to pay it because they wanted they wanted that sort of special flavor to it. He had to sell it when I asked when I asked him why he said said he said well it's state law I can't own a restaurant and a brewery making more than so many barrels of of so many barrels in a in a year. Bart, what's with these types of regulations?
6: Uh, well, there, there's a lot of those, and and they vary state by state around the country, and they're um, you know, known uh, kind of broadly as it's known as a three-tier system. Um, and the idea was that as we came out of prohibition, one of the challenges that people had seen that, that led to prohibition, which was the so-called tied house system, uh, where producers and retailers were tied together. You know, out-of-state producers would own the bars and then would send beer there. Um, and this was seen as a problem because they cared more about selling the beer than um, the local communities. And so most states, not every state, and, and there are a lot of variations here, um, decided to do things to try to separate the retail and production tier. So, I mean, that certainly sounds like the law you're referencing, where somebody who's involved in retail and involved in production, you know, that there are limits on, on how far that can go. And, you know, we see those vary across the states, and some they, they really don't exist, and some they're, they're still very strict. And, um one of the things certainly that and we can talk about this that has led to the explosion in breweries is generally we've seen those evolve, modernize and and more access for producers to the market which has been really good for small and independent producers.
5: Right. So, you know, here here in Minnesota, we did we have this three-tier system. There's a distributor that stands between the breweries and and the and the store and the retailers and the distributors, of course, are the ones who probably have the most vested interest in maintaining the current system. So there's been a lot of fight. So, for example, um, I'm trying to remember which one it was. I think it was Surly down in the Twin Cities. Mm-hmm. A fine, fine brewer uh, wanted to have a restaurant, at, at, you know, along with its tap room, And they were told no because you make too much beer. Uh, and, and it actually took. Two sessions of the legislature to finally get that changed along with that um, um, growlers uh, were available for sale on sunday and the growlers got made available before you before the the ability to buy beer on sundays in stores was made available so so bart i think i think in some sense it's been sort of a little strange in one sense i think we've wanted to help smaller brewers and there's been a willingness to do that because because many of them are are from rural areas. And so it's that competition between the people in the rural communities who say, you know what, alcohol is bad. You shouldn't be having alcohol available on Sundays. We need to respect the Sabbath on the one hand. And on the other hand, you've got folks saying, look, it supports our lo- local business. Uh, we should be helping them out. Is that something that we just see here in Minnesota because we're a weird state or is that happening around the country?
6: That's happening around the country. And certainly we see, you know, variations in in where they fall on that, you know, market freedom versus, you know, much more regulatory control continuum. You know, Minnesota is probably somewhere in the middle. Um, You know, parts of the southeast are much more restrictive in, in terms of what beverage alcohol producers can do. Um, and, and you see other states where there's there are more market freedoms and you know it's probably good we're we're discussing this you know when we are because I, I believe the that surly bill the pint bill was passed uh, seven years ago you know around this week so i think it was late That's mint, right. so it's good timing to be talking about that
5: yep yep and i can i can i can proudly say i was one of the votes for it Um uh, I, <laughs> I was I, that was my that was my year uh, and and happy to have voted for it uh so so I mean, what happens here? I mean, what's happening in other places where maybe this, this three tier system is happening? Is there is there a threat to beer distributors in this that um, that we should be that we should be concerned about? What does a small craft brewer who's making that move like, like a Beaver Island or like a Surly did some years ago? What what does the landscape look like for them?
6: You know, I don't think, you know, to answer your first question, I don't think there's a threat to beer distributors um, for a small brewer to scale, for them to, to grow and access wider markets. For the vast, vast majority of brewers, it makes sense at that point when they're looking to grow that they're going to partner with a, a third party independent distributor. And and that's still what we see that, you know, these market access rules that have allowed, you know, brewers to, to sell pints, to do some limited self-distribution. Uh, for a lot of them, they're really about either being a viable business as a very small business. Um, or, to grow a little bit to the point that they can they can join up with an independent distributor, and um, you know, the vast majority of beer in this country is still going through that distribution system so i don 't think there, there are too many worries what What these reforms have done is they 've allowed a proliferation of business models i mean you know the brew pub, which, which everyone 's pretty used to I mean used to be illegal in those states, and um, you know one thing that we saw in the, the early 80s and one reason breweries started coming back was states started making rules about brew pubs and, and having brew pub licenses where you could actually have a restaurant that, that made its own beer. I mean, that used to be illegal in most states. And that's carried on today where, you know, the vast majority of breweries are, are very small and, and wouldn't be able to exist without that direct sale, pine over the bar model um, that's that's now allowed in, in every state.
5: Indeed. I think uh, I think the business model that uh, created uh, Granite City uh, Food and Brewery was one where, where do I remember this right? bart that we actually have to they actually started by creating some part of the process the wart someplace else so that they somehow were using that to work around the laws as they were at that time do i have that story right
6: uh, well, you have a good memory uh that's definitely their business model i'm not i'm not aware of why they started that way but they have a central house where they produce the wart which is the you know the malts and the water, and and you know extracting those sugars, and then they send it out to their individual location so it can be fermented there, which you know does have an additional business benefit, which is that means the beer is fresh when it's fermenting on site.
5: Yeah, and and I I actually believe that was that was a workaround for either I want to say either for Minnesota or for North Dakota. I'm not exactly sure. I know the rest of the story, uh, but uh, I I certainly knew some part of it because I spent uh, half an evening talking to the GM at the local uh, Granite City. Uh, uh restaurant here in town uh bart any anything we should be concerned you know because for those of us that like good beer is there any you probably have to spend a fair amount of time in dc is there anything happening in federal regulation that that we should know about
6: there are always things happening in federal regulation um you know our, our big push in uh washington dc right now is um, in the, the larger tax bill, there was a provision uh, that was included thanks to the work of a lot of beverage alcohol producers, including small brewers, called the Craft Beverage Modernization and Tax Reform Act, which uh, lowered the, the federal excise tax for, for small producers, and uh, the vast majority of small producers, from $7 a barrel to three fifty a barrel. Um, but because of all of the compromises, only extended for two years. Uh, so one of the things we're doing um, is working to um, make sure that that becomes permanent so, so small brewers who pay every tax that every other business pays and also a state and federal excise tax can get a little bit of, of tax relief. Um, one of the other things that we're watching very closely is the, the Food and Drug Administration, um, has been, um, increasingly, uh, looking at, at brewing and, and beer, um, as a place to impose regulations and so, uh, we're trying to help make them you know, see the challenges that a small business faces in um, putting those in place and, and certainly have you know, had a good dialogue with them. Um, so a good example is a chain restaurant rules where um, chains now have to provide calorie information with, with their products um, at more than 20 locations. And we worked with them to, to provide some solutions so that small brewers who couldn't bear the cost of testing all of their beers can still be in those chains. But there's always new exciting things going on in D.C. It's, uh, it's, it's constantly something we're watching.
5: And I'll bet you have to spend a fair amount of time there to to answer those kinds of questions.
6: I'm going on Wednesday.
5: Oh, gosh. Okay. Well, Bart Watson of the Brewers Association, chief economist, best job in America, I'm saying. Uh, it just. It sounds wonderful. Thank you for sharing your Memorial Day weekend with us and, uh, and wish you the best. I hope we can have you back sometime soon.
6: Wonderful. Thanks for having me.
5: Thank you. We'll be back after this. You are listening to The King Banyan Show on Business 1440.
4: in this town see me and the boys, we don't like it so we're getting up and going down
3: hey folks i'm david mitchell founder and ceo of tradeway over a decade ago i decided to start a company that could help families take control of their finances and more importantly their time We offer you a powerful education in how to trade in the stock market, providing you the skill sets you need to manage your financial manager and speak his language, or even cut out the middleman entirely and do it yourself. My mission was to put more money in the hands of good Christian people to impact this country and the rest of the world. Since that time, I've seen Tradeway grow from a small business started in a garage with my family to an education company which now employs more than 20 families and has educated nearly 20,000 people from all across the country. God has truly blessed this mission. It's been exciting to see the Tradeway family grow through the years. At this point, people attend our events not only to hear about the stock market, but to fellowship with other families and even to strengthen their walk with the Lord. The Tradeway community is unlike anything I've ever seen in my business career or even in my ministries. With Tradeway, you not only get a powerful system for trading as a business, but you get the kind of hands-on support, ongoing development, and personal community that is required to propel you forward in this journey, and we help you to do that one step at a time. I want to personally invite you to join us at our next event called Step 1, Start Your Journey at the Weston Edina Galleria, June 15th and 16th. The event will be hosted by John Quinn. John is one of the most analytical people I know. In fact, he's literally a rocket scientist. But he has the ability to teach in a way that everyone can understand, which is a great skill. Join us at the Westin Edina Galleria, June 15th and 16th, and bring your family. Only $99.95
1: for your entire household, plus a free ticket for a friend and a full money-back guarantee. To register, call 877-907-TRADE. That's 877-907-8723. Or go to Tradeway.com. That's Tradeway.com.
4: Every day, the men and women of the United States Marine Corps demonstrate their commitment to defend As Marines, we take a stand for each other, for our nation, for us all, the few, the proud, the Marines.
1: It's the King Banyan Show. Don't miss a moment of King's pregnant pauses and audio miscues on Business 1440.
5: Welcome back, King Banyan Show, Business 1440. 651-289-4477. Thank you to Bart Watson of the Brewers Association for spending a half hour with us here on the show this weekend. Always glad to have that. You know what? Two topics that Memorial Day weekend sort of inspires. First, hot weather drinks. More often for me, it's iced tea. Honestly, I probably... Could count on one hand the number of beers I've had since the start of the year, just because I've been working on a diet and managed have managed to get uh, past the uh, twenty pound mark on that. So feeling good, but uh, one of the sacrifices has been been that I might enjoy one uh, later today. Uh, daughter's in town running a race over in Sartell, and last I looked, she was winning. So uh, if if she turns out they have a victory, she's on a relay team. And if it turns out they have a victory, we'll have to toast that uh, in some way. And like like me and Mister Watson, we like beer, uh, so we will we will enjoy that together. The other thing, gas prices. Okay, okay. So, Ross, part of your assignment now as producer of the King Banyan Show is you should always before you come down into the bunker look across look across the street on Cliff Road and see. What's the price of gas? At, is it a Super America that's cross-street, or is it a holiday? It, I think it's a holiday.
6: It is a holiday, and its two eighty nine. Okay, as of this morning. $2.89. Yes, and
5: two ninety four nine here as I drove over this morning uh, at the gas station closest to my home here in the city. Uh, and it is quite remarkable, isn't it? That price goes up... Uh, you know, and there, I always get this comment from people, and I don't know if you believe this is true or not. Um, I, I don't know if you do this or not, but um, the um, the uh, comment always comes, well, it's Memorial Day weekend, so of course the gas stations jack up their prices. And I've always wondered, do you think they all call each other at that moment? And... You know, all the gas patients call each other and 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 conspire to raise those prices. I am a, I I certainly don't. Um, I certainly think instead that what's happening is um, is just an increase in demand. Just and part of the reason. One of the questions I asked Bart Watson in in the last segment or two segments ago was was why are we somehow now comfortable paying ten or eleven dollars for a four pack of beer? Yeah, okay, it's sixteen ounce cans, King it's not twelves yeah, all right, gotcha uh but um still feels like we're comfortable paying much higher prices for craft beer, and it's because we like it, right? We like the taste, and we've sort of developed this this enjoyment of it um my pe- my friends laugh at me when I show up with a with a, an espresso macchiato. Okay, and they say, "I hope you didn't pay much for that." That doesn't look like very much coffee at all. It's like, no, 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 no. I, I like a good espresso in the morning, and then I want just a dollop of of uh, foam on top. I just want to cut it a tiny amount, but I still want it to taste bitter. That's how I like my beer and my coffee. I like them on the bitter side, but not too bitter. So I control it with a little bit of a little bit of the uh, a little bit of cream or a little bit of. Uh, uh, milk foam on top, not too much. We're willing to pay more on Memorial Day weekend for gas, right? Suppose we had put in a law that said, said the gas across the street from from Ross was two dollars a gallon rather than three for Memorial Day weekend because we shouldn't rip off people when they're enjoying their their weekend, their three-day weekend holidays up north with their fams. What would happen in short order? Well, there are two effects. There's both a supply effect and a demand effect. The demand effect is, if you lower the price of something, more of that that will be desired to be bought and used. So if you reduce the price to $2, more people will be willing to drive someplace to go on vacation for the weekend. The quantity of gas demanded rises. But at the same time, just as the willingness of people to pay ten bucks for a four-pack of craft beer causes more craft breweries to come into existence, a reduction, a forced reduction of the price of gas to two dollars a gallon, would lead to having slower gas would have lower gas production. Interestingly, this week in the Wall Street Journal, two and. And uh there are a couple articles. I'm gonna read one piece exact, actually from the Energy Information Agency, which every week gives us a, a a page called Today in Energy, which keeps track of of current events in the energy industry. I'm just gonna read you the first I'm just gonna read you the first uh, uh couple of paragraphs of this. Total production, for the United States and Russia, total petroleum and natural gas hydrocarbon production measured in energy content is almost evenly split between petroleum and natural gas, while Saudi Arabia's production heavily favors petroleum. If you look at the gr- graphs between, um, uh, uh, if you look at the graphs right now, you can see that, if you, on, on, you look at the graphs right now, you can see that From 2012, the amount of production of both petroleum and natural gas hydrocarbon energy is higher than Russia's and much, much higher than Saudi Arabia's. And it is expanded to now represent a record. Okay, that record now is over 30. Is almost, it is, I got to look to be sure I've got this right almost 60 quadrillion BTUs quadrillion BTUs or million barrels or that comes out to about the equivalent of 30 million barrels of oil if you convert the energy by energy content the natural gas into oil in terms of just pet, uh, of uh, petroleum of oil production in terms of barrels per day the United States passed Russia in 2012 and past Saudi Arabia in 2013. So we're now, we've now, in 2017, we increased production by 745,000 barrels per day. So I want you to think that. That increase in gas prices that you're observing at the pump right now is in fact helping to cause more people to produce oil now if I go if you just look at the uh, number of oil rigs being added oil total oil rigs are up now to 859 largest largest that has happened oil prices moved down sharply Friday as traders sold their positions heading into the Memorial Day weekend and on news that OPEC may add volumes. This story comes from the Wall Street Journal on on Thursday. Russia and other large oil producers will next month discuss relaxing an agreement that has cut output and helped support crude prices. A move that could relieve some of the price pressure in coming weeks, Russian oil minister Alexander Novak said he would discuss with counterparts from Saudi Arabia and other members of OPEC, the possibility of a quote gradual output recovery unquote in other words, we're going to re- we're going to produce more knowing that we're going to have get, we're going to, that's going to reduce the price. Why? I believe it's because the United States, which is not a member of this cartel that's working between OPEC and Russia the cartel is being defeated by U.S. production of oil, which is largely from shale. That is the part that I think we have to find absolutely amazing. When we allow market prices to move, including that price of gas that you're paying this weekend, we are encouraging the production of oil and gas in the United States that helps us become more independent of the supplies that come from Russia and OPEC. That's something that we should celebrate this weekend. Okay? That, yeah, it, it's a little bit painful. But just think, the amount of money you're paying for that oil and gas right now is is indeed encouraging greater exploration, greater production. And that greater production over time Causes the cartel to collapse. It eventually causes the cartel to say, "We can't do that anymore. We're going to have to. We're going to have to increase. We're going to have to increase our production because if we don't, we'll lose market share to the shale producers of Texas and Oklahoma and North Dakota and and the fields up in Alaska." We'll be back after this. You're listening to the King Banyan Show. On Business 1440.
1: Business 1440 is KYCR Golden Valley.
0: Where does the money you invest go? Tune in to this week's Money Matters with Alan Mike. They'll be sharing some investment ideas that go beyond simple performance. The guys will be discussing an investment topic that's becoming more popular, values-based investing. No matter what values you feel strongly about, are you investing in things that align with your beliefs and values? Listen to Money Matters with Alan and Mike, 2 p.m. Sunday on Business 1440. Or call them right now at 855-231-6010. Great Garage Door has been serving folks like you since 1985. With an A-plus Better Business Bureau rating, they're the people you can trust. Offering free estimates on new doors and same-day service on existing doors. 651-486-0000 or online at greatgaragedoor.com. Giving your
3: computer problems the boots. Arby's Computer Service.
2: There is no better steward of your money than you helping you create wealth and income is our number one goal online trading academy teaches you trading and investing skills so you can protect and grow your investments to retire on your terms and never outlive your retirement savings we teach you one on one how to grow your investments even in a market that's at an all time high. If your retirement is in a 401k or 403b, you can still learn the tools to improve their performance. Many students maintain their full-time jobs, but still love learning to be more consistent while making a great second income from this market. We have been teaching successful trading techniques for 20 years. Once you get the education, you can trade on your own with confidence. Call OTA at pound 250 on your cell phone and register for a free trading and investing workshop. Or go to learnwithota.com.
1: Online Trading Academy. Radio! Business 1440 and iHeartRadio, they go together like R2D2 and C3PO. Did you hear that? Listen anytime, anywhere at iHeart.com or with the free iHeart Radio mobile app. Hear
5: that finger snap? Took me some time to learn how to do that.
6: Can you teach me one day, King? I still cannot snap. (laughs)
5: Yeah, I will t- give it a shot. King Banging Show Business fourteen forty. Um, a bass player that wanted to be a drummer. Uh, that was me. Uh, anyway, S- six five one two eight nine four four seven seven. If you have some final comments, uh, don't forget, of course, this afternoon on over on our sister station AM of the Patriot one to three. Of course, the Narn headliner Mitch Berg will be will be with you. I wonder what he'll talk about, okay? I predict it'll be a word that rhymes with fun, okay? And he'll be fun while he talks about the word that rhymes with fun. That will be that will be something he'll talk about. And then at 4 o'clock over on AM 1280, um, Jason Flores with American for Prosperity Radio has uh, my friend, uh, Senator Paul Gazelka. Uh, who will be who's uh, ta- the majority leader of the Minnesota House, uh, Minnesota Senate, excuse me. And he he and uh, and uh, activist uh, Kelly Gunderson will both be talking about the set a wrap up of the session here in Minnesota, which featured the word veto, played prominently uh, here in in Minnesota. I promise you, we're going to turn on. We're gonna turn on the uh, the Spry Beam, and we'll get we'll get John Spry, uh, economist from the University of Saint Thomas, on. He's my tax, my state tax expert. What does it mean that we decided that the governor decided to veto a tax conformity bill? Is the sky really falling? It sure seems so. And I know you, I know that will be a topic you will hear from. You will hear from. Uh, uh, from Jason and Paul and Kelly, this afternoon at four o'clock. Of course, Brad Carlson at two o'clock tomorrow. Uh, the closer, Brad, the closer Carlson. Okay, Ross, have you mastered the Ross have, have you mastered the uh, the the Brad Carlson Im- impersonation yet? Brad
6: Carlson. It's not great, right? You know, I've known Brad for quite some time now. Maybe I know not, you have. Yeah. Maybe not as long as you have, because we share that passion for twins baseball, but. No, every now and then I can do a good Brad doing Cliff Claven, but I got to get worked up to it. So I, I'm not quite prepared for it. Maybe that'll be at a later date.
5: That's awesome. And then, of course, uh, tomorrow afternoon, later on uh, in the afternoon, the just uh, at 4 p.m. Sunday over on AM 1280, the Justice Hour with Andrew Parker. Uh, and Andrew will be on with Rachel Paulos, who uh, is the former U.S. Attorney for the District of Minnesota, that should be really interesting. Um, and and she was so she was Minnesota's chief federal law enforcement officer for some time uh, back in 2006 through 2008. You'll be interested to hear what she has to say. So the, so uh, listen to listen to Andrew and uh, and uh, uh, former uh, Attorney General Paul Rose. Uh, on on uh, uh, Paul Lowe's excuse me, not Paul Rose, Paul Lowe's. I'm mispronouncing that name. Uh, there on AM 1280, 4 p.m. on Sunday. Lots of good stuff there, and don't forget, of course, Twin Cities Business Radio and and a chance to go see uh, a, a one man show for C.S. Lewis on June 22nd. Um, details there at TwinCitiesBusinessRadio.com. You'll see it in the rotator over on the left left hand side. Um, you know, while I'm talking about gas prices and gasoline, there was something that was said that th- this quote from the Washington Post just made me uh, made me a little bit nuts. Um, a reporter who I usually think it was being really good, uh, uh, James Homan, who is actually from from the Twin Cities. I believe he's from I believe he's from a uh, uh, White Bear Lake, but I'm not positive which suburb he's from. But but um, uh, uh I've met I've met James a a couple of times, a very fine reporter for The Washington Post and wrote about uh, how President Trump's policies are hurting voters. Okay, I really dislike a lot of what's happening with trade policy. But this 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 is not what's happening. Um, General Motors is cutting its second shift at the Lordstown assembly plant outside Youngstown next month which could cost 1,500 jobs at the 3,000-employee plant that builds the Chevy Cruze. GM says it's downsizing because there is, quote, lower customer demand for compact cars. And what they're blaming for this is CAFE standards, okay, the, the uh, fuel efficiency standards. Because they've been, they, they're under inspection to, be, to go away, people want to get rid of them. Here's the point. Just as you're willing to drive even though there's higher prices, On your gasoline, just as you're willing to spend 10 bucks on a four pack of of good craft craft beer. You're willing to spend a fair amount of money on a larger car. Why? Because you want the greater amount of room. You want the greater amount of you want the space. You want the safety that feels my wife will not let me drive a small car because she says, I want you to be protected as you drive down the road. It is not being caused by CAFE standards. It is simply demand for the product. Nothing more, nothing less than demand for that particular product. And and to blame Trump for that, oh, I'm sorry, Mr. Homan, you're wrong on that one. The hour of demand. You have a very fine Memorial Day weekend. Pretty good show, rookie. We'll be back with you in, in a couple of weeks here. King Banyan show. Business
0: 1440.
7: Have you experienced anxiety, fear, shame, and embarrassment from owing back taxes? Hi, I'm Kathy Hill, founder of Tax Tiger. If you happen to have unpaid or unfiled taxes, I'm here to offer you some hope. Tax Tiger can protect you from the IRS, release wage and bank levies, and negotiate awesome settlements. Above all, Tax Tiger is a company which operates based on Christian principles. If you have an IRS problem, call us today at 612 888 9522 for a free consultation. You can trust Tax Tiger to provide an honest evaluation of your situation. If we can save you money, we'll explain how and answer all of your questions so you'll know exactly where you stand. Call Tax Tiger today at 612 888 9522. You could be closer to financial freedom than you think, and you need a tiger on your side. That number again is 612 888 9522, or visit us online at taxtiger.com. I started my adventure as an aerospace medical technician. Flight medic in the Air Force Reserve. Satellite system operator. As a
0: space systems operator. And
7: I'm a pilot for the Air Force Thunderbirds demonstration We team. deliver the world's timeliest environmental intelligence data. Flying to Afghanistan,
0: bringing wounded warriors back to Germany. We take
7: care of injured personnel on a daily basis. And then
0: flying them from
2: Germany back to the States.
7: As a member of the Thunderbirds, I get to be a part of a team that passes on the message of the United States Air Force Reserve to the U.S. and the world. It's a very exciting career. One of the greatest things about the Air Force Reserve is all the different opportunities. The training in the Air Air Force Reserve is second to none. It gave me the opportunity to go to college. The Air Force Reserve actually paid for my education, which allowed me to commission. It was definitely a bonus. Probably the most
4: exciting thing
5: I've done is support humanitarian relief operations in places like Haiti. The
7: Reserve gave me the opportunity to learn something totally different from what I did.
0: Being able to travel. I enjoy the getaways that I get, and I enjoy the camaraderie and fellowship I share with all my unit mates.
7: We're really close-knit. We're unique. And Air Force Reserve gave me all those opportunities, and then even more. Start your adventure in the Air Force Reserve.
1: I was skeptical when I heard that your family bank could help me pay off my mortgage and get out of debt in under 10 years with my current income. Hi, my name is John. I'm a financial executive here in town. As such, I understand numbers. Using your family bank, my family will go from a $292,000 mortgage with 22 years remaining and $40,000 of additional debt to being totally out of debt, including the mortgage, in 9.8 years. We'll save $103,000. If you don't have a program which will get your family totally out of debt, including your mortgage... In less than 10 years, just by redirecting your current cash flow, you need to talk with Daniel of Your Family Bank, who's right here in the Twin Cities. Thanks, John. This
0: is Daniel Altwig of Your Family Bank. My friend, there's no risk nor obligation to find out for yourself. Go to daniel.yourfamilybank.org, click on the
5: Request tab in the upper right-hand corner, and leave your contact information.
1: daniel.yourfamilybank.org. That's daniel.yourfamilybank.org. Your home for up-to-the-minute market updates. This is Business 1440. KYCR Golden Valley.